This is Texas Soccer Radio, brand new with our brand new Periscope stream. My name is Kyle Mankey. His name is Larry Leathers. We are going to be talking all things San Antonio FC as well as lots of different topics all around North American soccer, just like we always do. Um, Larry, how are you doing tonight, my man? And how are you enjoying this new uh, setup we have for Periscope? You know, it's been a little bit of a pain in the ass to set up, but I'm super excited about what we got going on here. It's going to be great. Hopefully everybody out there enjoys it. But other than that, I'm doing great. I've got a nice uh, glass of Crown and Coke here. It's my weekend. I've got tomorrow <laughs> off, so there you I'm go. good to go. There you go. Yeah, full credit to uh, Larry for setting all of that up. He um, was the the man behind all things Periscope producing tonight, so all kudos to him for getting us uh, a little more improved. The only contribution that I threw in there was this fancy new um, banner that we have right behind me. So pretty exciting there. Um, so let's get to it. Um, very, very important, uh, piece of news to start the night off with probably the single most important North American soccer news going on right now. Um, I believe it was Grant wall that broke the story. Want to get your reaction on it, Larry. Uh, we found out this week that Christian Pulisic drives two hours to Frankfurt for Chipotle. Um, how do you feel about that? And how does that make you feel about the future of North American, uh, about United States soccer? You know, it dims the light on North American soccer here just a little bit. I mean, we need to get that man a real burrito. Somebody find that man a Freebirds because he does not need to drive <laughs> two hours for, to Chipotle to go get crappy queso that isn't really queso. It's really just water with some chunks in it. It's not good. Don't get it. Yeah, I was watching um, the Bundesliga match between uh, Dortmund and Schalke with uh, Weston McKinney and with Christian Pulisic. And one of the things that they were doing before was asking them kind of what they missed about being in the United States, if anything. And the thing that they both said and that a bunch of other uh, players that have gone and played abroad have said is that they miss the food. And I didn't think about it before, but I don't know that I could go somewhere where they don't have tacos and where they <laughs> pizza isn't available on every corner. So, you know, you don't I, have to I go that it. far. I mean, you you could go to Florida and not find tacos. I'm originally from down there, <laughs> and the last time I went to visit, I mean, it was literally I just wanted a breakfast taco. I couldn't find one anywhere. I had to drive. Oh God, on my way back, it was I drove eight hours that day before I saw a Waterburger getting back towards towards <laughs> Texas. You have to get all the way to Pensacola. I was down in Miami, so I mean, there's there's a severe lack of Texas things going on not that far away from us. Yeah, that's that's not okay. Not okay. Um, but getting to that game where we saw arguably the two most important players in the future of the U.S. men's national team, Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney, face off kind of head to head, but their teams faced off. Um, it was really uh, a one sided affair there for a good chunk of the match. Uh, full disclosure, I actually stopped watching after Weston McKinney was subbed off when Dortmund was up 4-1. to one. I kind of figured that was the end of it, and Tottenham was playing, and it was early, and I was tired. So I didn't really feel like watching the rest of that Bundesliga game. Um, but Schalke ends up coming back 4-4 to draw it after McKinney was subbed off, arguably 
the most exciting club soccer game this year, um, this season anyway, I guess I should say. Um, what do you make of having, you know, arguably the two most important U.S. players playing in this German derby that is getting hyped up all over the world? You know, it's it's good that they're squaring off, and it sounds like those guys have actually been able to forge a relationship not just as rivals over there, but also as friends outside of it, which only bodes well for the future. I, going back to food, I'm going back to food. Food's my thing. But they <laughs> actually got together to celebrate Thanksgiving and have a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, those two guys, and uh, one, one other person um, that's playing abroad right now. So those guys are you know, keeping the rivalry on the field. Um, and it's definitely going to keep growing, I think. So it's good for good for them to be getting that uh, that feel for each other on on and off the field, and it'll do good things for us in the future, hopefully. For sure, I, I'm excited to see them play for the U.S. again in meaningful matches. I, you know, I don't want to drill that whole I can't believe we missed the World Cup topic into the ground or anything, but um, you know, we were kind of talking off air about how. It's never a good thing to miss the World Cup. It, it There is no positive of missing the World Cup. But one thing that might come from it that might be a positive eventually is that um, we're going to see these guys play a lot more whenever the U.S. is involved in meaningful matches. We're going to see less of uh, you know Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore. And one of the ones that we were talking about was Tim Howard specifically after that ridiculous show that Zach Steffen put on last night for Columbus Crew. Or yeah, Wednesday give these, night. Give these guys an opportunity to develop. That's, we're going to have the next four years to get these guys ready because a lot of our older senior players are not going to be there the next World Cup rounds. So now we've got plenty of time to worry about developing for the future. Yeah. Harry says, I cannot believe we missed the World Cup. Nothing positive. Um, fully agree. <laughs> like it's. I don't want to make it sound like, yay, we missed. Now the kids can play. But um, you know, just, just trying to find some sort of silver lining around it. Um, but it, it's still a cloud for sure. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it, it's never good to miss the world cup, but the one little shining sliver is that we'll have plenty of time to get ready for the next one. Find our new coach, get these younger kids ready to go and hopefully come out and win the thing in four years. And meanwhile, Christian Pulisic uh, reached a milestone with that derby game. He, at 19, is the youngest Dortmund player and youngest non-German player in history to reach 50 Bundesliga appearances. Um, I don't know how you can hype up Christian Pulisic anymore uh, without him deserving it. Like he, I feel like we threw a lot of our soccer hopes onto guys like Jordan Morris and um oh god their names are escaping me now but just a few years ago it, it seemed like every somewhat promising kid was uh you know being hailed as the savior of American soccer but it actually feels like Christian Pulisic fits that mold potentially and it, and it feels like he could have a tangible effect on the future of the country's soccer yeah, no, it's going to be good for the future, and I think we're headed in a good direction with all that. So, I mean, it's it's impressive for him to be the first player to be the first one to, first and youngest non-German player to get to 50 Bundesliga matches. That's a that's a big deal. For he's sure. Gonna, he's going to set some more records before we get too long out here. Oh, look at, we're, I'm breaking in right here. Uh-oh, Clint, breaking news. Oh, wait, 
Is that? Yep. Clint Dempsey scores the first goal for Seattle right now. Boom. Pretty much clenching it, I would say, barring some miraculous Houston comeback. Uh, obviously, we're recording this Thursday night, uh, just a little after 10 p.m. Oh, Central. it wasn't Dempsey. Who is that? Who? I don't even know who that was. I can't see on the replay. <laughs> I'm trying to watch across the room right now. So Seattle Sounders and Houston Dynamo are playing in the second leg of the Western Conference Finals um, to determine who gets to go play Toronto in Toronto, nothing like an MLS Cup final in Canada in December. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to think, I sent out a tweet about this last night, but if you're the MLS expansion committee or, or just any MLS owner, you have to feel like, you know, maybe we, we need to get Miami going and maybe we should add a couple of Texas teams and Phoenix and, you know, some some cities that aren't so bad to be in in December because it's going to be a really cold, boring 1-0 match uh, in Toronto for the final. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, you know, maybe if we, we increase spending at some of these other clubs, it wouldn't be such a problem. You know, <laughs> I, I know I was looking at something last night, and they were talking about how Toronto is literally at the top of the league for spending on players, and they've got over $20 million in contracts tied up. Uh, when you've got teams like the Dynamo that are only spending about six. So, yeah. that's, I mean, bring the talent down down south and back into the United States and pay them well, and maybe we'll have more World Cup fi- or more uh, MLS Cup finals here in the States. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, too, when we talk about the MLS expansion update. But um, you got to think that MLS is wanting to bring in owners that can afford to do that and can afford to, cause Toronto's not breaking any rules. They're following all the, the spending rules that MLS has set in place. Um, it's just teams like Houston and Dallas and, uh, several others across the league are kind of going at a, a budget spending and, and it's showing because right now we are in the Seattle, Toronto era of MLS. Seriously. Yeah, hopefully more money will start coming into some of these teams and they'll, you know, put it into players and and bring some more talent into this side of the pond or this side of the side of the side of the line from coming up north. So before we get to MLS expansion and bigger North American soccer news, I want to bring it into SAFC, San Antonio FC. Um, Two big announcements this week with player announcements, which. We're expected here uh, within the next couple weeks, but I was a little pleasantly surprised to see those pop up in my inbox this week. Christmas uh, came early. For real, man, especially with these two, because these are not scrub players that they announced. So if you're living under a rock and you missed it, Diego Restrepo, 2017 USL Goalkeeper of the Year, and Cesar Elizondo are both returning for the 2018 campaign. Um, Larry, is this the best way to, uh, start building that 2018 roster in your opinion? It's a damn good way to start. That's for sure. Although I am left with some more, we got some answers, you know, with Restrepo coming back, but I feel like it also created some more questions for us. What's going to happen with Cardoni now? I'm, I can't imagine that both of them are going to stick around. They're both starting caliber players. And I don't know if Cardoni is going to be content sitting on the bench. Same thing goes for Restrepo. I feel like it might have put some stuff up in the air in our goalkeeper area. Yeah, I, talking with Coach Powell uh, at the beginning of the 2017 season, and honestly, even at the beginning of the 2016 season, I'm pretty sure he said the same thing, where every position is an open competition in his eyes. So 
even though Diego Restrepo was literally the best goalkeeper in the league, um, he's still going to have to earn that spot over anyone else that is signed there. Um, that being said, even though I agree with you that Matt Cardoni could be starting everywhere else, anywhere else, it's really difficult to take an almost entire season off uh, like Cardoni did with his injury and then get a starting role somewhere else. So he might um, end up back in San Antonio as a, as a backup um, to, you know, kind of work his way back up and, and get those opportunities. He's not a old player by any means. He's still relatively young. I want to say he's like 22 ish, 23. He's youngish. He's got some life left out there. So I could definitely see a situation where Cardoni and Restrepo both return. Uh, and it it would be an open competition, I imagine, um, just knowing how Coach Powell runs that team. And I saw um, in the uh, Periscope comments there, I didn't see the name, but I saw the, the mention that San Antonio FC needs two quality goalkeepers <laughs> based on the history of the starting goalkeeper for San Antonio FC. Obviously, with Josh Ford going down in 16 and Cardoni going down in 17. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, we're the land of the second second string goalkeeper here. Thankfully, it's worked out in our favor for the most part. Um, but yeah, I could I can see where you're coming from with Cardoni and his injury this season and maybe not getting picked up somewhere. But I can't imagine him not getting tried out in some other other teams. Um, and them giving him a shot prior to the season starting. So, I mean, I still am not 100% that we're going to see him back. And Lee Johnston's done a good job of, you know, starting yeah, himself is. as a backup goalkeeper. So he could he could easily, you know, jump jump a spot or two on the on the rankings there with our goalkeepers and, and earn himself a either backup role or eventual starter role if we have another injury down the, ro- down the way. <laughs> yeah, you talk about Lee Johnston being a solid backup. Um, he... He proved his medal when the opportunity came uh, in 2017 when Restrepo got that red card and, and was suspended. So I could definitely see a situation where all three guys come back, um, as crazy as that might sound. But um, in the interview that we have with Darren Powell coming up, he actually specifically mentions Lee um, and how good of a job he did when called upon. So... And Lee's a, a tall guy and quick and, you know, co- being coached under Juan La Madrid is never a bad thing for a young player with the physical size of Lee Johnston. It, it, he could end up being the future, too. Yeah, I mean, I would obviously I'd love to see all three of them return, but it's going to be quite the competition going going through the offseason here for who's going to be our starter in 2018. Yeah. So the other end of the field, Cesar Elizondo was signed for 2018. Not a huge surprise here if you follow him on social media. He's been um, all over San Antonio, all over uh, Spurs stuff and all that. Um, What do you think of Elizondo coming back? Are you excited to have him back? And do you see him starting as either a forward or a 10 or, or somewhere on that attacking side of the field? Absolutely. I'm super excited he's back, and I think he will probably be playing as a forward, um, possibly starting up front there. He's definitely got the skills for the job, and I I love having him out there on the field. Um, He's going to get pushed for time if we sign Guzman back, but I'd like to see him both on the field this year if we can. 
that's exactly who I'm waiting to to hear about is Ever Guzman because he turned it on at the end of the season. We would not have had God probably we probably wouldn't have gone as far into the postseason as we had if it wasn't for him. He is amazing on the field. Um, and he's definitely somebody that we need to prioritize signing come back for coming back for 2018. So let's get a little speculative here. Um, who are maybe one or two players that you would expect to see in 2018 um, come back for San Antonio? Um, I'm I'm truly expecting Tierpak to come back. Um, He's one of my favorite players on the field. You heard me rant a few weeks back about him not playing in our our last game against Oklahoma City. Um, I still think he should have been on the field for that, and I hope we see him in 2018. Um, It'd be a big surprise if we didn't. His family's been here. He seems like he likes it here in San Antonio. Um, Does really well with fan interaction and everything, so I would hope he's back. Um, The other person that I would say we'll see, probably for sure I would guess, is Maxi. Being a hometown boy, we like the homegrown people here, um, and he's a product product of San Antonio, so it'd be nice to keep him on the team too. Yeah, Maxi Rodriguez really surprised me because he was one of the last signings um, before the season started, and he ended up getting a pretty significant amount of time for um, being someone who you know was kind of brought in at the very end and. He's freaking hilarious on all those videos that Anya and all them make. <laughs> yes, he is. He's done a great job with that. Yeah, I I would love to see him back. Um, I think my two, I'm going to go with uh, USL Defender of the Year for 2017, Sebastian Ibiaga. I think he is MLS caliber player for sure. I, I saw, um, man, I wish I could remember who I was talking to on Twitter about it the other day. Um, maybe Scott from Soysaf. I can't remember, but, um, someone mentioned how Ibiaga was, you know, able to move up to MLS or, or should move up to MLS. And I think he absolutely could. You don't get defender of the year in USL if you're not at least able to make an MLS roster. Um, but one of the things he mentioned about San Antonio is that it's close enough to where, his family could come watch and it's a stable club where, you know, he knows that he has a role (laughs) and, um, as I I would love to see Ibiaga back. And I think there's a good chance of him coming back. Um, guaranteed start, pretty much guaranteed start, um, probable captaining and, you know, all these other great things about being in San Antonio for him. Um, my other one would be, I'm going to go with Connor Presley. Um, everything that we expected to see out of Devin Vega at the beginning of last season, we ended up seeing from Connor Presley uh, uh, about midway through the season or towards the end of the season. Um, he's a young player who's really enthusiastic and, um, you know, a good attacking mind. Um, not someone who, you know, is, is, probably ready to start last year and ready to tear up the league on a consistent basis, but someone who has a very, very bright future. And it seemed like he fit well with the club from what I could see. So those are my two, Ibiaga and Presley. And neither of those would surprise me. I actually had Presley as my third one on my list. So I'm right there in agreement with you on him coming back. I I at least hope he will. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard with these because we don't know the contract terms. We don't know how much 
um, SAFC is offering them, how much the players are asking. It's all very locked down. It's not like the NBA or the NFL where you're basically getting every little detail about the contract. So such is life. Um, I mentioned Devin Vega. I, I think that's an obvious one based on what we found out at the end of the year last year. Yeah. Um, but is there another player or two that you expect to not see in 2018? I hope I'm wrong on this one. And, you know, he came in midway through the year, but I'm really not expecting to see Omar Gordon back. Um, I'd love to see him on the field. He's he's a great player. He's he's uh, a good part of our team. He f- seemed to fit really well coming in mid- midway through the season, uh, making opportunities for himself and for other people to get goal opportunities. Um, but we just don't know the status of what his com- contract is back in Jamaica with his home club. I know it doesn't mean much, and it was still right before that final game of the, the uh, USL season for SAFC. Um, but he did change his profile picture back to his home team in his home team jersey. Uh, so I don't know if that's boating for the future or not. I hope he's back, but I'm not really not expecting it. Yeah, I'm right there with you with Gordon. I He was a great lone player, and it was really fun to watch him play. <laughs> but um, he seems pretty, pretty invested in his Jamaican club. Um, would love to have him back. It'd be fun to watch, but I don't expect to have him back. I think my player I don't expect back. Uh, I'm really torn on this because the two that I have in mind are both um, pretty much pretty much uh, fan favorites. But, Is it uh, Rashindel? It's probably Rashindel, right? Well, actually, I don't expect Rashindel back due to possible retirement to coaching. But yeah. then again, like I could see him, I could see Rashindel and Rafa and some of these other guys play until their legs literally fall off. To be honest with you, so fair point. I'm not going to count them. I'm going to go. I'm so torn between Greg Cochran and Billy Forbes. I think one, if not both of them, may be gone for next year because. Kind of along the same lines as Ibiaga, where um, they played well enough to get MLS attention, maybe not starting, but definitely make the MLS roster. We've seen Billy at the FC Dallas facility, at the LA Galaxy facility. Um, And with Greg, he um, is an extremely talented player and the SAFC Ironman. So I know it's really odd for me to throw his name out there, but he has... MLS experience. He came to San Antonio from Chicago Fire, um, but he's also got a lot of eyes on him in USL too. And with yep. Cincinnati doing what they're doing, Louisville, um, you know, all these different clubs that, um, you know, he he has different you know options within USL, not even counting MLS. So I would hope to see both of those guys back with San Antonio, but I. Don't know if we will. I hope we do, though. I I think you're probably right on Forbes. Um, I'm hoping Cochran's back, but Forbes seems to be shopping himself pretty hard um, to other teams at the MLS level. Um, we've he's already visited two that we know of, if not more. So I think Forbes is probably on his way out. And I did just see Harry on Periscope comment about 
sitting sitting tier pack at the expense of having Gordon back on the team. Yeah, Periscope blew up about tier pack there. I think that plays into Forbes and whether he's back or not, because Gordon could definitely shift to the other side, which we could be looking at having, you know, Gordon and tier pack opposite each other. So that would get them both on the field. And I think that'd be super explosive for our offense. Yeah, I I think in 2017 there were a ton of options for wingers between Forbes and Tierpack and Gordon and Presley and Vega for a little while and you know that was one position where they had plenty of help. So uh, I'm right there with you, man. I hope Tierpack stays. I hope all these guys stay. There wasn't there wasn't one player that I interacted with on the 2017 SAFC roster that I was just like, man, I, I hope I don't have to talk to you again. You know, what I mean, like. <laughs> They're all good dudes, and they're all talented at what they do. Um, but, yeah, that's that's sports, right? Powell did a hell of a job putting a team together this season. He, he really did, and I think it'll carry over to next year. Hopefully it means we progress a little bit farther into the offseason or into the postseason and maybe do a championship, possibly. We'll see. Michael on Periscope says, the case of the disappearing Vega and... Roger, our friend from Tulsa Soccer Show, says Tier Pack is a Tulsa scalper, and uh, the rest of his message disappeared. But I am pretty sure that uh, Tier Pack has made plenty of enemies around USL West. Yeah, I'm, that's that's for sure. <laughs> He's got lots of <laughs> lots of people looking at him. So if you're listening on the podcast version, uh, oh, actually, man, I just cut myself short. There were two other things I wanted to talk about Uh before we took a break. Let's just pretend that didn't happen real quick. Um, Real quick, before we take a break, before we play our Darren Powell interview, um, I want to make a comment about something that I saw mentioned earlier about um, USL teams that are, quote unquote, built for MLS and what happens when they don't get MLS. And there were some things on Twitter about, you know, worrying about Spurs interest in soccer if they don't get MLS and worrying about SAFC being able to, um, you know, keep up with their current status and everything else. And um, everything that I have heard from SSE, from SAFC, from everyone that I've talked to within the club and within the uh, organization SAFC is built um, in its current state to last the long haul. It's not built to be flashy and try and catch MLS's attention. Um, It's already built how, you know, a USL club can be operated for years to come. So if San Antonio ends up not getting MLS, um, I I don't think we're going to see a big change with SAFC as far as what is happening on the field, what's happening at Toyota Field, and um, you know what's happening with the academy and all that. That's all very prime concerns for SSNE. And it, as much as they want MLS uh, from everything that I've seen, read, and heard, um, it's not you know the only goal. They they want to be in the soccer business. So anyway, that's that's my little rant well, about I, that. Tag on here. I think people are forgetting that you know. MLS was never a guarantee. Obviously, we wanted it really bad. So did SS&E. Um, they put in the work to put us in a position to potentially bring a team here. But there's 12 cities bidding, and there could have been more. And there's only four spots right now. So there was always a chance that this was going to be a USL team for the long haul. Not exactly what we wanted, but definitely something that was on the table. So, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Periscope has an interesting side combo going on right now about Frank Tayu and how they would like to see him back as that big target striker. But he's literally playing a game right now <laughs> in the indoor league. I don't understand why he won't take an offseason. Uh, Isn't he like playing – they're playing RGV or something, a team from RGV tonight, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right, according to the Perisco- Periscope chat there. Um, Frank Tayu is a beast, man, but – he's got to break down eventually, right? <laughs> like You can't just play indoor, outdoor, indoor, outdoor constantly. He never stops. I don't know. He needs to get a break from running so much. He's going to burn himself out so fast. <laughs> he can only do that for so long. I Jokes aside, I don't know that he would fit with a Darren Powell scheme, um, given the fact that he plays so many minutes. I don't know that he can drop back and play defense because – we saw Ever Guzman do that. We saw Cesar Lozano do that. And I don't remember ever seeing Tayu play defense in 2016. No, he'd just trot around at midfield and not really do anything <laughs> until the ball came back down to his end of the, the field there. And that's when he would get, get involved again. But I think we need somebody that can run the field like Guzman. I know he's not quite as large as Frank was, but he's getting the job done from what we've seen. Yeah, trotting down the field and waiting for the ball to come back is pretty much how <laughs> I play every minute of soccer that I get the opportunity to do. That yeah, that's uh, that's about the same for me these days. <laughs> but so, I always hated running. That's why I didn't follow through playing soccer into high school and things like that. I mean, I grew up playing it, but high school I was like, I don't want to run. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> Smart man, I should have. Um, the other piece of SAFC news is about their their the hell <laughs> just got pirate um, <laughs> their uh, participation in the Dallas Cup. Um, so that's that's a pretty cool experience that they're going to be doing for the next few years. It sounds like so. There's more on that on their website, on their Twitter, all over the place. So we're gonna shorten that conversation a little bit so we can fit the rest of our topics in after this interview with Darren Powell that we had Thursday afternoon. Um, The quality of the interview is a little uh, less than optimal because he's traveling, so it was over the phone. Um, But it was really good to catch up with Coach Powell and hear his thoughts on... um, On, sorry, freaking Periscope chat, man. Texas Soccer Radio, matey. God, I need to stop looking at chat. We're going to get you a pirate flag for for your background now. We're not going to get you an SAFC one. (sighs) Anyway, I, I was saying something about the interview with Coach Powell. It was really good to chat with him, and I hope you enjoy it. So here it is if you're listening to the podcast version of the show. Otherwise, we'll be right back with a whole lot more soccer. We're joined now with San Antonio FC head coach Darren Powell, uh, live from the road right now, joining us via phone line. Um, Darren, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me here in the, the off season. I mean, is there an off season for you, I guess? Is that the wrong word to use? Well, first and foremost, thanks for having us, and uh, yeah, looking forward to our chat. But yeah, the off season I think uh, can be is a loose term because you know, there's a lot going on all the time throughout the year. So um, hopefully, in a couple of weeks, I'll calm down and, and maybe get a bit bit more time with with the family. But <laughs> right now, we're we're full on and uh, full steam ahead and uh, preparing for 2018. 
it definitely seems like a a year round um, hustle for you guys. You're you're always you know either preparing for games or preparing for the next season. So uh, I definitely feel you on that. But if uh, you can remember that far back, if you're not so consumed with 2018 yet, I want to talk a little bit about 2017. Um, and before the season started, you had talked about the first goal was to make the playoffs, and obviously you accomplished that. So having had a couple weeks uh, to kind of reflect back on it, what are kind of your overall feelings about the success of 2017, of the 2017 campaign? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the original goals was, was really to show progression from 2016 to 2017. And, and when you look, I think that, that's certainly the case. Um, you know, and I think the team, the way the team came together, the way they um, battled day, you know, day in, day out in terms of practice, you know, game in, game out, and the way they approached each match, um, you know, went in with that attitude that I thought was very, very good in terms of wanting to win every single match. Now, that doesn't always happen, as, as we're all are very aware, but, you know, it's creating that culture where, you know, every single player on that roster is wanting to win on, on, on game day. And that was certainly evident and that's something we, you know, we'll take a lot of pride on. Um, you know, it, it was good. Obviously, I think defensively this year, the team performed, performed well. Um, you know, I think we had the best defensive record in the USL. So that's a tribute to everybody on the team that played on those game days because it was a whole, you know, collective effort uh, to make sure you know, we we, we, we Defended well, and you know, on the opposite end of the ball, I felt in transition we were very, very effective, um, and you know we scored some good goals along the way. So for us, we want to see, see some improvement, um, you know, going into next year. Um, but all in all, you look back and you see Diego Restrepo getting goalkeeper of the year, Sebastian Ibiega, defender of the year which kind of dovetails into the fact that we had the best defensive record. Um, and then Billy Forbes uh, making, you know, a USL team. So to have three players selected one given year, I think shows that the quality that we had on the field. Uh, but it wasn't just those three uh, that got recognised. I think it, it, it was a collective effort from everybody to help those three be recognised. And the biggest factor, I felt every week that the players really approached the game with with a, a very good level of professionalism, with that determination to win. And, you know, okay, we didn't win all the games, but we only really lost four in terms of uh, during, during regulation um, throughout the whole campaign in 36 games. So you reflect, it's um, the things we certainly need to improve upon, and we're, all, we're aware of that. Um, but all in all, I think the year was, was a lot of fun for everybody, a lot of excitement. And it certainly showed that progression. Was there anything that kind of um, you weren't necessarily expecting um, going into the first playoff campaign for San Antonio FC? Was there anything that uh, may have been a little bit of a surprise or was it pretty much what you expected and kind of a continuation of the regular season? No, I think it was a bit of a continuation of the regular season. You know, when you're at home, you're going to find teams that are going to come in and set themselves up. Um, to be defensively sound and try and prevent us doing what we like to do. Uh, so, it, 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 um, you know, it, it, those games are always going to be very difficult. You know, whether you know you're home or away, the highest seed or the lower seed. I mean, you saw 
know, in the first round, the, the, the number eight seed, not the number one seed, out of Sacramento beating RSL. So, it, it, you know, those games are always going to be extremely tight. Now, what what was um, you know very pleasing was being at home, especially the first game and, and, and into the field and saw the passion of our fans. The, the, the you know the, the excitement that drew when whenever scored that the, the penalty to win the game and it wasn't it was the fans it was there was the staff it was the players it was it was the front office it was it was incredible um, and, and that was maybe one of the biggest surprises um, because how much it meant to every single one of us in that stadium in that moment and and that was uh, that was very fulfilling and something we want to recreate as many times as possible. And you mentioned um, Diego Restrepo and Sebastian Viaga getting those awards and Billy Forbes uh, getting his uh, recognition as well. Um, one of the two players that's been announced so far for 2018 was Diego Restrepo. So how important is that for you to, um, you know, have at least one keeper with, you know, a lot of experience going into the, the upcoming season? Yeah, I think, you know, goalkeeping has been very fortunate over the last couple of years. Goalkeeping has been very strong. Um, you know, from all the goalkeepers that have taken the field to represent this club, you know, starting back with Josh and Josh Ford and then Matt. Um, and even Lee stepped in um, and required this year at Sacramento and delivered a good performance. So, you know, a lot of that is, um, you know, the preparation um, that those goalkeepers put in. And, and I know Coach Juan La Madrid has done a, done a wonderful job. But Diego's story in particular this year, from, from where he was at the start of the year um, to where he ended up, is inspiring, I think, for, for any players at this level. And for us to have Diego back, uh, you know, we're, obviously we're super excited. He was, he was very good in the locker room. He's a, he's a good good leader, um, good person. Uh, but what, what, what was, um, you know, I think, you know, a tribute to, to uh, Diego's success was the way he approached day in, day out, and whatever role was presented to him during the course of the year, because the role at the start of the year was was to come in as a third-choice goalkeeper, and he's ended up as a goalkeeper of the year. So <laughs> that's a tribute to him and his efforts and his professionalism. So to have somebody um, that can tell that story, um, that's lived that story, and to be one of our first signings, um, it, it, I think is good, and it's um, you know some, some something that all young players can look up to. Maybe this is too big of a question to cover right now, and if it is, that's completely fine. But does that say something about soccer in North America right now where a a goalkeeper can go from being on the couch one week to at the end of the season being the best in a professional league? (laughs) That's mind-boggling. It it, 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 it is an amazing story. And, 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 you know, I've had two goalkeepers over the years that have really amazing stories. It's one of those positions that, it's sometimes more clear cut because you know you're the first choice, the second choice, the third choice type goalkeeper, and if someone goes down, you may move up or you get that opportunity, um, or you outperform them to get that opportunity, and and and, and that's the one position that you can't move a centre midfielder to right back, for example. I mean, it has to be a goalkeeper, so it it can happen. Um, the question about US soccer and, and and answering that that may take a whole radio show. <laughs> um, you know, because because you know it's a it's it's a very popular subject right now, as as you well know. Um, so, the for me, it, it is very interesting. It just shows that 
you know, if you, you have that um, perseverance, um, have that commitment and uh, positive attitude, that these things can, can certainly happen, and Diego's a, a, certainly a case of that. And just a couple hours ago, it was officially announced that Cesar Elizondo will be returning for the 2018 campaign as well. Uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about what Elizondo brings to the team? Yeah, I mean, Cesar, again, is a, is a guy that comes every day to work and you see his commitment and intensity um, in the stadium on a Saturday night. But what guys, people don't see is that that's the same. He brings that every day into to a training session, um, you know, into the games, and it's reflective. He's very passionate about playing soccer. He's very passionate about San Antonio FC. Um, and, you know, he, again, is, a, is another key signing. Um, to, to be coming back to, to the team next year. And, you know, we're very excited to have Cesar back. And there are going to be a few changes coming up to USL uh, from a league standpoint. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to sit down and dissect this or not um, with everything that you have to do uh, in building a 2018 roster, but um, it looks like there's going to be a central conference uh, and one could pretty well assume that San Antonio would be part of that. Um, that would pair you with probably teams like Louisville, Cincinnati, St. Louis, um, as well as the more familiar Swope Park, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, all those guys. Um, does that change things for you when you're playing more of these independent teams and fewer of the S2, T2, uh, Los Dos type teams, uh, more independent rosters? Yeah, I mean, the, the league is obviously right now, I know they go into their meetings next week to, to finalise the uh, divisions. Um, so depending on how they line those up, whether they go into the, you know, however they determine what's going to be best for the for the league, you know, that, that, that's out of our control a little bit. But, you know, it certainly becomes very competitive in, in a central conference with those independent teams. And, um, you know, it, it does, but also makes the league maybe a little bit more predictable in terms of, you know, who you're playing, what players are going to be playing at the weekend. So that helps in the preparation. Whereas sometimes you may play a, an MLS two side where you know, you're not sure if you know, I remember a couple of years ago when we played Portland away, it wasn't a team that had played the weekend before. So, you know, that, that becomes a challenge in itself. But whatever that challenge is, we'll we'll certainly prepare the team and um, be excited, and so the, there's always going to be, um, you know, lots of positives from from playing those independent games, um, because you know I think we can get our preparation, uh, you know, ahead of time, and it's a little bit more predictable what the opposition is going, who's going to be playing, not to say what they're going to do, but who's going to be playing, uh, so that that helps helps us prepare the team and get them ready on a on a given Saturday, whereas sometimes when you've got a majority of the MLS two teams, it can be a little bit more unpredictable. But either way, um, you know, we'll, we'll prepare ourselves as we do um, and get the team ready to play, whoever that opposition may be. It's funny that you mentioned that Portland game. That's the one that I point to anytime anyone has any sort of debate about you know dropping MLS players down because I think it was what, like seven or eight of the players were on Portland contracts and international break or something like that. But Yeah, it was an international break and, and uh, they were getting preparing for a uh, Open Cup game, I believe, against San Jose on the Tuesday. Yeah. Then we got the roster at uh, 6.30 for a 7.30 kickoff and uh, 
yeah, there, there were some different names on there that we, we hadn't, uh, hadn't anticipated being on that roster. But that's that's all part of the learning. And, uh, you know, I felt even that night the players adjusted really well and uh, gave a good account of themselves. Yeah, I believe that was either a 1-1 draw or a 1-0 win. It, it was a positive yeah, result. One, I one, one, yeah, 1-1. One, one, I think Milton scored on a, on a late corner yeah. um, in about the 87th minute. So, so it was, uh, yeah. Not that I remember the game's time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I wanted to also ask before I let you go, um, the Academy is obviously doing some big things uh, in, you know, continuing the big things that they're doing. Uh, I just wanted to kind of check in with where the Academy was and, and what's going on for those boys uh, right now. Yeah, the Academy's doing very well. Um, under Nick Evans' leadership, we've got uh, three teams that are in full-time with us. Um, so that's the U14, U13, and U12, and they've also shown good development this fall. And um, you know, the 14s are the original group, and you know, some boys there are starting to 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 uh, you know, gain you know some really good experience. And, and watching them play, I get to watch them play on a Tuesday every week in terms of training and seeing how they're evolving. It's very very exciting. Um, you know, I think this weekend the, the the group is playing SC Dallas in in Dallas. So I'm looking forward to returning um, from Florida right now, and then returning to Dallas on Saturday, early Saturday morning, so we can watch watch the groups play um, because that will be a very good test for the for the young players. Um, but that that program is is accelerating. We also have what we call the elite training program, um, which now spans over. Uh, six age groups, which are not full-time in our academy. And, uh, you know, the development of some of those players at the older age groups in terms of the, the, the boys born in 2000 or 2001, um, we've had some of those guys come out and actually train with the first team. So that's all part of the, the development path that we're trying to um, implement with, within the club. And then the young boys of 2007, 2008 help us got big pools of players that um, will hopefully become future um, you know, San Antonio FC Academy players um, as they start their age groups in the next couple of years. I mean, one of the most interesting things for me, having been able to go to the media availability part of training and everything, is seeing some of those uh, ETP players and some of those Academy players working with the senior team and working, you know, at Toyota Field with the, the same facilities and everything else. And then, you know, watching when Ryan Rishindle scored his goal late in the year, watching all the academy kids flood down to the, the front there to celebrate with them. It, it just feels like one big unified club, which is really cool to watch from the outside. And, and that, that's, that's been the goal from day one, is you want to create that club culture that, that spans from the first team all the way to, to, to a young player at nine or ten years old. And, you know, that young nine or ten, ten year old is then aspiring to play in that stadium and represent his hometown city. Um, and, you know, that that's something that you know, we, we believe in within that club. And, and what that creates is a community um, amongst itself, you know, again, amongst itself. But then it's also one that is very relatable to, to, the, to the whole of San Antonio. So, you know, when, when fans can come and watch players that they've seen uh, grow up in San Antonio, that that's certainly uh, something that we take a lot of pride in. 
Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, I do have to say, you've got open tryouts coming up. It looks like the first date is December 9th, and the second one is January 9th. Have, have, have you been? Yeah, have you been training, Kyle? Uh, I've been dusting off there? my boots. Uh, I'm coming for uh, <laughs> coming for Diego for the that starting goalkeeper spot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I don't so, run yeah, so much sure, anymore. Make sure- Make sure you yeah. Make sure you do plenty of diving, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how you do. <laughs> you All never right. know; you could be goalkeeper of the year, right? <laughs> hey, yeah, that's how it worked out for him, right? From couch to best in the league. So, well, Darren, I really appreciate it, and we will uh, chat with you really soon. No problem, and um, no, we're looking forward to the tryouts. Uh, the first one is December the ninth, and then the uh, the second one will be. Um, I think it's January 18th, and then the players that that we, we see may have some potential will we'll bring back and do a training session prior to preseason. So we're excited for that process, and um, you know, looking forward to to giving people the opportunity to to make the roster. And um, you know, we're we're just excited for 2018. So appreciate your time, Kyle, and uh, thank you for having me. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. And we are back. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Thank you in particular to the folks in our Periscope chat. Um, Y'all are just fucking hilarious tonight. I'm going to be honest with you. So if you want to join in the fun next week, Thursday nights at 10 p.m. on Periscope, you can find it at TX Soccer Radio. Same as the Twitter account, at TX Soccer Radio. It is a different account than Pitch Black was on because we separated the podcast from the website. Um, so keep an eye out for that and uh, come join the fun next week. It'll be a good time. Um, or it'll be a total shit show. I don't know. Well, I mean, back in the day, what did I say? This is going to end badly, and I feel like we still haven't gotten away from that. <laughs> you were supposed to make it better. Well, I mean, uh, I got us a, per- a better periscope, so I've done my part now, right? <laughs> All downhill from here. I just got a comment put into my moderation queue about pirate hookers for my pirate slip earlier. High five to whoever put that out there. Oh, Raj. There it is. There it is. The pirate hookers. Oh boy. All right. Let's get back to business here. Talking about soccer Um, with USL and NASL. A few big things happened. We didn't have a show last week because of Thanksgiving. So we're covering two weeks of news here. Um, One of the interesting notes here, not a huge surprise, but a slight disappointment is that FC Tacoma and Tacoma FC were both trademarked. Um, so I'm guessing that's what we're going to see S2 renamed to um, in the not-too-distant future. Yep. Uh, come on. <laughs> like, More boring names. Like, not everybody can be the Las Vegas Lights. It's better than Seattle Sounders 2, but not by much. No. It's it's very close to what it was. Just a different city slapped on there. And I know this is coming from a show that has talked about San Antonio FC for like 80% of its existence, but still, like, do better. Do better. Um, moving on to some sad news. Uh, rest in peace, FC Edmonton and the San Francisco Deltas, the 2017 NASL champion, uh, San Francisco Deltas, unfortunately. Um, we were talking during the break in Periscope chat about how as much as I've talked about NASL on this show, it sucks to see the good clubs drop out and it sucks to see 
soccer um, retracting instead of growing. But, um, you know, such is life, I guess, in NASL. What do you think? I mean, is it retracting instead of growing? I mean, USL is continuing to grow, even if we lose teams. Uh, There's new teams coming in all the time. NASL's, man, it's, it's on the ropes. It's not too much longer for this world, I feel like, unfortunately. But USL seems ready and willing to step up and give some of those teams homes and continue to grow the Division II product here in the United States. Yeah, that's a really good point, that it's not retracting overall. It's just a bummer to see clubs fold in general. Um, I did read that there may be some hope for the Deltas. They're looking for other investors in San Francisco um, they sold out their last game, the, the NASL championship from what I read, 9,000 strong. So that's not bad. That's pretty damn good in a, a city that has so much else going on and go out as champs, you know, a team that doesn't have the money to promote like, you know, the 49ers, <laughs> uh, the golden state warriors, like, I don't know. So I, I hope that the Deltas come back with ownership and the NASL takes a turn for the better in some way, whatever shape that takes. Um, and yeah, it was just mentioned in chat. That was the next thing on our, our list was that USL has a team going on hiatus with Rochester Rhinos, which just sucks, man. Like of all the teams to go on hiatus, Rochester... Man, it's a hell of a team to see go out of the league. Hopefully they're able to get it together for the for 2019. They are leaving the league in good standing, so there is a chance that they're trying to work towards coming back in 2019, which is a positive here. Um, I think the more interesting part of this is that Capelli Sports Stadium is still going to hold USL games this season. I don't know who they're planning to get play up there, playing in that stadium there, but apparently it's still going to have games announced at some point. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I know some of those Eastern teams are grouped pretty tightly, but um, that seems odd. <laughs> I I don't know how that's going to work. Um, I. Yeah, I don't know. That's it, it's it's a really strange move on their part. They're still going to be hosting other events, concerts, and things like that in the stadium um, while the Rhinos are shut down. But to still have USL games going on in there, it's a really really strange move. There, yeah, that's weird. Um, I hope that they have a better fate on their hiatus than the Austin Aztecs did. I know that's Austin, mentioning Austin is a controversial thing. Um, please don't smash your car radio for me saying that, but, um, you know, not having USL come back in Austin f- until 2019 potentially sucks. Um, and so I hope that doesn't happen with Rochester, which is a club that has, you know, so much history being the only non MLS club to win the U S open cup and, you know, just a, a independent club that never should have gone away. It seems like they've got some good support there in Rochester. Hopefully they can just figure out the money situation and get it together for next season. Periscope. Uh, Raj just says Swope Park's playoff games will be played in Rochester. <laughs> God, that God. drama. Um, I love it. I love lower division soccer, man. <laughs> I love North American soccer. It's just so much fun. Like Talking about what happens on the pitch is only half the fun. Um, one bright note, potentially bright note is that USL did announce another expansion committee. Um, the sun came up. So another, uh, not an expansion committee, another expansion team, 
uh, ruined my joke there about how another expansion team pops up every day. But uh, USL Chicago is coming down the line. Uh, what was it, Larry? 2020? I think they said three years from now. So, yeah, it might be 2021. Three seasons at the Amazon headquarters site that's supposed to be going in there. It's part of that development that they're talking about putting in the city there. Yeah, it has the big advantage over Chicago Fire for being in the city core and somewhere where people can actually go see the game without having to take 12 buses and a train. But um, it's USL in an MLS market, and it's not affiliated right now with the MLS team. So it'll be interesting um, to see how that dynamic works between these two leagues that have been partners for, for most of the time. Hey, good for them if they can figure it all out. It's going to be uh, very interesting interesting to watch over the next two or three seasons. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the map lately, and we know that a central conference is coming. Jake Edwards confirmed it. Um, San Antonio and potentially Austin, RGV, potentially FC Dallas and El Paso. Uh, FC Dallas, too, I mean, and El Paso. Um that is going to be fun, but then you add in Cincinnati, you add in Louisville, St. Louis. We're not going to be playing, sorry, San Antonio FC is not going to be playing Lost Dose. They're not going to be playing S2. They're going to be playing all these independent teams in these really unique and interesting markets, and I'm pretty excited for that, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, but I, I like the three the three easy wins going up on the Cascadia road trip. <laughs> going to miss that. Very true. I, I don't know if we mentioned it last time or if it happened this time, but Vancouver Whitecaps, too, ceased operations. And, and um, basically their entire roster was signed by, was it Cincinnati or Nashville? Yeah. One of those central teams. Um, and, and their affiliation is going to FC Fresno. Fresno FC, sorry. Um, so that's one less Cascadia team for 2018 before San Antonio inevitably ends up in that central conference. I mean, I, I don't know. Have you heard? Are they planning on implementing the Central Conference for this upcoming season? I haven't heard any word on that. Yeah, so that's kind of a question right now because everything I read was 2019. But looking at how many teams are coming into the league next year, I don't know how they only do two conferences. Um, it's basically going to be two completely separate leagues at that point if they're only doing two conferences with, what is it, 30 three teams 34 teams yeah something right around there so i don't know i don't know how you do two conferences and call it one league with a league this big but we'll see um jake edwards said that we'll have more details in january so we'll okay see. Then. And, and uh asu ram rc on periscope says no i want a vegas trip and gosh darn it so do i <laughs> we have been preaching on twitter and on this uh uh, podcast all over the place how much we love um, the Las Vegas USL team Las Vegas lights and everything they're doing we're not fans of the team don't mistake that but um, god what a fucking phenomenal brand they've got going on out there I'm going next September if there's a home game I'm going to Vegas already if there's a home game I'm going no matter what Hell whether it's yeah. against SAFC whoever they're playing I'm gonna go see a lights game <laughs> let's do it um, Harry asks on Periscope, do we think more MLS two teams drop? And I do. I, I think we see more stuff happen with like RGV in Houston, Tacoma, Seattle. 
um, LAFC and Orange County. I think eventually we'll lose Portland too and lost Dose. And um, that'll just about be it other than Salt Lake. I don't know where Salt Lake would play, but... Um, yeah, I, I definitely see the MLS two model going away, not the affiliation though. I don't ever see the affiliation going away between MLS and USL unless USL tries to make a power play for division one goes full NASL. I think it's, I mean, I think we're years away from that happening, but USL's headed in the right direction. It could happen. Yeah. So, uh, I do want eventually to talk about San Antonio FC fans and their feelings about a potential Austin affiliation. I know for most people listening from San Antonio, that's probably something that they feel negatively about, but I do want to have that conversation in a future episode. Maybe not tonight, but um, I think that's a a complex issue for sure. I think we've, I'm I'm jumping ahead here a little bit on our, on our plan for the evening, but I think we maybe after we hear a little bit more um, with the Austin City Council date. Um, for those of you that don't know, the planned date was originally December 5th for the Austin City Council presentation on potential MLS sites um, within the city there, and they've actually pushed that back to December 14th. Um, so I think that that's probably, once we see what happens there, That'll probably be the episode where we can sit down and talk about everything going on with USL in Austin, MLS in Austin, potential affiliations with SAFC, and all that other good stuff. I know we've been talking the last few weeks about when we're going to do that episode. (laughs) That might be a good time to do it. Yeah, we're kind of waiting on more concrete news to come out about whether it's going to be an MLS team in Austin or a USL team in Austin or, or what's going on up there, but... Um, our friends up in Austin, um, with the supporters group had mentioned that this pushback was expected. Um, I remember that stupid city council meeting that you and I both sat through. Oh God. Um, they had mentioned the date being a little flexible, so not a huge surprise having that date pushed back a little bit. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. So we'll keep an eye on Austin. Um, I, I want professional soccer in Austin. I, I prefer USL being in both markets or MLS being in both markets. So there can be a nice rivalry there an hour away, hour and a half away on 35. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out for sure. I mean, so far I'm going down the rabbit hole a little bit here. Garber and the rest of the MLS crew has been nothing short of deceptive when it comes to (laughs) what's going on with expansion teams and things like that. So maybe, maybe there is a way that we could have two teams in South Texas, you know, maybe, maybe it's something that could happen, even though they've said previously that there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot more going on than what we're getting publicly. And um, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that because we're going to talk about the MLS expansion and this is probably as good a time as any to do it. Um, one thing that is interesting about what's going on with the San Antonio bid is that, um, Judge Nelson Wolf and Spurs Sports and Entertainment, while they are probably both really pissed off about the Austin news, they seem to be going about it two very, very different ways. And 
based on some comments that were released from Judge Wolf, it seems like they're not really in tight communication. It kind of, it, and please let me know if you disagree with this, Larry, but it seems like SS&E is talking directly with MLS and Nelson Wolf is kind of on the outside. Oh, no, it doesn't sound like they're talking at all. I mean, they're coming from completely different spots. You've got Nelson Wolf over here talking about criminal investigations and deception and all sorts of stuff going on between the league and M- the league as an MLS and the city of San Antonio, where you've got SSNE sitting here going, we're still putting in our bid. We're still pushing for the second two spots. So they don't seem to be on the same page at all, which is kind of concerning. And then in the middle of it, you've got our mayor sitting there going, you know, as San Antonio is the best city for MLS expansion, we, we should be at the top of the list and, and, you know, kind of given the PC answer there, I can't blame yeah. him for that, but it doesn't seem like people are talking between our local government and Spurs sports and entertainment, which is not going to bode well for the potential of a bid here. Yeah. And, and judge Wolf made it clear in his last statement that he is still um, asking Nico LaHood, District Attorney Nico LaHood, to uh, investigate MLS if there were any criminal wrongdoings and all that. <clears throat> so it's it's interesting because it, to me, on the outside, and this is 100% speculation, I, I'm not claiming any sort of sourcing or anything on this, but just reading all of the releases, you have... Tim Holt and SSNE releasing two separate statements talking about how they are committed to bringing um, top soccer to San Antonio and providing the best experience for fans that they deserve and everything else. Um, and then you have Nelson Wolf, you know, threatening a lawsuit and pretty much throwing the league the middle finger. And, and Harry brings up on Periscope, could they be playing good cop, bad cop? I don't think so because, um, uh, lawsuits and public grandstanding are pretty much the opposite of what we've always seen from the Spurs. I can't, while they might agree with being pissed off at MLS, I can't imagine them like being involved with like threatening a lawsuit and stuff. Right. Am I crazy on that? Am I being fanboy? No, I think that's purely city leaders going down that road. I can't, expect SSNE to, you know, approve of that route. And I think that SSNE's take on the situation is the right one here with we still need to keep pushing forward because Austin isn't a for sure thing. I know as as much as it sounds like it is, it's not a done deal yet. And we need to continue to put ourselves in a position where we can potentially get a bid accepted. Yeah. I I just think it's all really interesting. Um to watch from the outside (laughs) i'm i'm gonna be really mad if what kills it for us is nelson wolf going for for a lawsuit if that's what the deal breaker ends up being here and mls says that geez i mean that's what i'm worried about that's kind of what i'm getting to at a in a roundabout way is you know wolf might be blowing it because if austin falls apart san antonio is still an expansion candidate um I don't know. And, you know, someone just brought up on Periscope that Tim Holt never specifically said MLS, but um, it, it sure seemed like he was talking about top division North American soccer, which right now is MLS. Yeah. I don't imagine USL pulling that power play as interesting as it would be have soccer wars 4.0 or whatever. But um, I, I just think this is all very interesting because 
I think that Austin is going to get an MLS team. Um, what I think could also happen is San Antonio also gets an MLS team down the road. Um, or Austin, you know, maybe it falls through and San Antonio gets it through expansion. I don't know. But um, what Nelson Wolf is doing is occurring at a time where he's up for re-election and his political opponents could say, hey, look, you wasted $10 million in taxpayer money or whatever it is. I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. So that's, you know, just an estimate. But um, well, it's not a small amount of money, no matter what. Yeah. Being it, my it point. Could, yeah. It could definitely affect his reelection chances here. So you have Nelson Wolf and you have Nicola Hood both up for reelection. Nicola Hood specifically is being um, targeted with several different opponents and is not looking particularly good in that. So is this just a political move from them trying to gain favor from the non-soccer community saying, Hey, look, we fought against big corporation. And you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting. And that's all I'll say on that. I don't want to get on a political rant, but I'll let you finish off whatever thoughts you have. No, I think you're definitely right. It could just be a big political play. And, you know, Wolf may be trying to play off the fact that he lost the city a bunch of money potentially. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I don't know what to make of all this. It's it's crazy that SSNE and the city seems to be so far apart on what the stance is going to be going forward with trying to bring MLS to the city. So outside of San Antonio, what we do know is that four cities are in the final four for MLS expansion. It's Nashville, Cincinnati, Detroit, and Sacramento. Um, only one of those cities is on the western side of the country. Um, so I would imagine that if they're looking to keep things balanced, Sacramento is probably in. Um, On the other side, with Cincinnati, Detroit, and Nashville, Cincinnati and Detroit um, are both not quite ready. Um, Nashville is 100% ready. Uh, So I would imagine it's going to be Nashville over there, like we've been saying. Um, I stand by it. Those final four. I stand by it. Those are the two cities that are going to get in, Nashville and Sacramento. Although Cincy seems to be taking an interesting turn here because they did get approval from the city for $51 million in financing for infrastructure upgrades and the parking garage that they would need for the stadium. And of course, uh, the team has already pledged the $200 million for the the stadium funding uh, plus the expansion fee. So they seem to be getting their ducks in a row, whether it's too little too late remains to be seen. Um, but they are, they're coming in and hot here at the end here to try and make a push going into this, uh, last proposal period for MLS's expansion. This might be a <clears throat> little bit of a, a conspiracy theory. That's what I'm good at apparently these weeks. Um, but I feel like Sacramento and Nashville are in, And Detroit and Cincinnati both have significant fan interest and or billionaire owners. And so they want MLS wants to keep those markets interested. And so they cut this final four to kind of let those markets have that little, you know, feather in their cap of as they go for those last two slots of saying, you know, hey, look, we were a final four candidate. We might get it this time. So, um, it looks like Harry and uh, Periscope is saying, don't sleep on Detroit. Uh, that would be so MLS with three billionaire owners. Could be, but it feels like Nashville has the billionaire too. And Sacramento is, you know, 
the story of Sacramento for the last five years, it felt like. So um, we'll, we'll see for sure. But that's, Harry, that's my little theory. Harry also brings up an interesting point that there is a new lawsuit involving Nashville um, in regards to the land and whether they can actually use it for the stadium plans, similar to the Miami situation. So that could be a hitch in the big plan and getting a stadium built in Nashville. That remains to be seen right now. It seemed like it was a smaller movement, um, but who knows if it'll pick up steam and, and affect that bid in the long run. Yeah, I mean, it definitely could, but um, you <laughs> you would think that they'd be able to get it done in Nashville, like easier than they would be able to in Miami. I don't know. I don't know the details about it, but it seems like it would be easier than the Beckham saga that we have in the Southeast. Man, that the Beckham saga may tank too. That thing's on the ropes as well. I don't know if they're going to make it or not. What is dead will never die. I am convinced that Miami will get to MLS sometime in my son's lifetime, uh, sometime in the next 50 years or 100 years or whatever. You know, we'll see. You know. I mean, maybe maybe we should make a call to Beckham and be like, "Hey, we got a stadium out here. We got a team. I'm telling you, just 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 come out here and join with SSNE and let's let's do this together. You've already got your spot secured. Let's bring it to San Antonio instead. Undercut pre court and you kick know, Austin out of the situation. NYCFC is looking for a stadium. It's just a little commute from San Antonio to New York City. You could keep the name. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever." <laughs> Oh, that's, oh, yeah, maybe. Well, anything else you want to chat about tonight, North American soccer world? No, I think we covered everything for now. Um, before we go, Seattle is still up 1-0 over Houston. So right now, Seattle looks like it's in pretty good shape. They're in the 53rd minute. You know what's going to happen is as soon as we end this podcast, Houston's going to have some miracle four-goal run. And, you know, it'll be like the biggest story to come out of North American soccer this year. (laughs) One can hope. I mean, it'd be nice to see a (laughs) Texas team in there, but obviously I wish it was somebody other than the dynamo, but you know, I'm just so there's only so many choices. (laughs) I'm so frustrated with the MLS cup playoffs. It's been so boring. Um, Just so much defensive play and so many teams not really caring about scoring or winning. Even I I hope they revamp those playoffs. That's not an original thought. And that's uh, something that you can hear plenty of discussion of all around, but just a, a parting shot, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that, that about covers it right there. <laughs> well, music as always, the uh, intro and outro music is provided by Mission Complete. You can check out the album "Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man" on Spotify, SoundCloud, and pretty much anywhere else where music is available digitally. You can follow us, uh, the show at TX Soccer Radio on Twitter as well as Periscope. Um, you can also follow our personal accounts at Larry Leathers 87 and at Kyle underscore Mankey for all the latest SAFC news, soccer news, all sorts of fun stuff there. Um, and a reminder, if you're listening to the recorded podcast version, come hang out on Thursday nights, 10 p.m. We have fun on Periscope. Uh, for those of you watching on Periscope, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week. Hopefully you had fun. I had fun. Larry, do you have fun? I had tons of fun. Looking forward to it again next week. 
There you go. Well, I've been Kyle Mankey. He's been Larry Leathers, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>